We're going to finish up on what we've been looking at for uh, at least what I've been preaching the last uh, three weeks. We're going to look at precious promises. So turn in your Bible to the book, one of the two books that Simon Peter wrote, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read the first four verses there. We have nurseries here at Orchardville Church, but if you choose for whatever reason to keep your baby with you, which is just boggles my mind, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> when we went to a church that had nurseries, that's where our kids were at, I'm telling you. But uh, to keep your baby with you, if the baby begins to cry, we ask you to take the child out. And here's the reason why. If it's my own family, I'd tell them to do the same. Uh, if I make allowance for one, then there'll be four, and then there'll be eight. And then uh, it's chaos and nobody can really hear. So uh, help me out in that regard. I am asking you. Second Peter, are you there? Chapter 1. Prize possessions. We have looked at precious faith. We have looked at precious blood. We have looked at precious stone. And today, precious promises. I've got some extra time, and that's a good thing because I'm thinking I may... I may need it. All right. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. That have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding, say exceeding, exceeding. say exceeding. exceeding, great, say great, great. and precious, say and precious. Great, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of God's divine nature. Say that with me. Partakers of God's divine nature. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. Have the nature of God working in you. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Well, I got saved, and that's just all there is to it, and that's as far as God's going to take me. Oh, no, it ain't. Once you get saved, you've got to add something to it. And what does the Bible tell us to add? The Bible is very plain in this. It tells us, add to your faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. And we'll stop right there. Father, take the few words that we will speak here this morning and penetrate them into the heart and mind of every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Probably, maybe some of the youngsters don't, but probably every person here has prized possessions or keepsakes within their home. I have a few of them here. I've got an anvil here that James Henry Bailey asked me if I would keep. And speaking of him, I'll be preaching his funeral today at 2 o'clock. 
He passed away. He was grandma's brother-in-law, my great uncle. And he gave me this. He said, if on one condition, you'll keep it and never get rid of it. I keep this in my office. And this anvil is probably half as old as our country. It belonged to my great-grandmother and great-grandfather, Fred and Bessie Hutchcraft. This thing reminds me of the Word of God because there's substance here. You can wrench your back out picking this thing up. We had one table, and the table wasn't going to quite make it through the service, I didn't think, so we changed and got a different table. <laughs> Wanted to be a little more sturdy. This thing is old, but it still works. And this thing, it can't be improved on. This design has been around for hundreds of years. Much like the Word of God, it can't be improved on. I've got a thing here, a shadow box that Mom and Kay got for me last Christmas. It, it shows myself and my grandfather, Warren Shell, picture of us on their front porch. I'm two years old. For the men of the Shell family, it's the Shell curse. You won't find, you won't find a prettier baby picture than that right there. <laughs> Here's the curse. The shell men grow out of it. <laughs> That's the curse. Here's a snooker ball. Grandpa owned a pool hall. Here's the billfold that he was wearing when he passed away. Uh, loose change that was there. A pocket knife. Um, a magnet and a buckeye. And this is something precious to me. It wouldn't be precious hardly to anybody else, but it is to me. And what God has put in his word is precious because of a lot of things, but namely because it's himself that gave it to us. That's what makes it precious. If this anvil belonged to, to Joe Blow, it wouldn't mean nothing to me. But because of who it belonged to and who the owner was, it means a lot to me. Spurgeon said, God has promised to keep his people and he will keep his promise. I like that. And to keep the promise of God in front of you is vital. I am believing and still believing that we are going to go to Fairfield. I am constantly keeping that in front of me. It's vital for me to do that. Yeah. I got to keep that to where it's in my focus. It's in my view. It's in my sight. The mother that had the three boys and each she owned a big farm and each one of them, the older one got old enough to, to move out and she begged him to stay. I need your help. I've got all this acreage. I've got the farm. You would have a good livelihood here. Stay here. Didn't do it. Moved and joined the Navy. The second boy got old enough to leave the home. I need you here. Didn't do it. Moved out and joined the Navy. The third boy Son, I need you here. We have to hire all these workers. Mama can't do it. Got to join the Navy. They all three joined the Navy. It was 10, 20 years later. 
They're all back for Christmas, and they're all around the table, and she asked them, boys, all three of you have broken my heart. We know what that's like. Your kids move off and break your heart. You know, when Josh was getting older, I said, son, this is your plate. One of these days, we're going to have a plate-breaking ceremony. This won't be your plate no more. It's going to go crack. Boy, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, he comes back to see me once a year. The oldest boy scooted himself back from the dinner table, walked over to a wall, and as he's walking, he's telling his mother, Mom, I don't know if you've ever noticed it or not, but there's only one painting in this whole house. Gets that painting and brings it back and shows the painting to his mom, and the mom's shaking her head. Just shaking her head. She knows he's right. It was a painting of a ship in the open ocean. And it was just such adventure. There was such excitement in that one painting. And that was the only painting those boys looked at. And that was the vision that they had. That someday we're going to be out there on that open sea. And we're going to go to places we never even dreamed of. That was what their vision was. And that's what they went after. Same way with the promise of God. Keep this thing in front of you. I don't care what somebody on Capitol Hill says and makes fun of Bible thumpers. This is the word of God keep it in front of you this is what has the promise of God within it I'm trying to learn about computers and it's an uphill struggle all the way but one thing I've said you, you got to have a password and then you get in and you'll be able to find out what all is in there same way you've got to have once you know what the password is you can get in there and see that we can add to our faith faith is the password to when we get in this book and we can see I can have what God wants me to have in my life one of the things that we're to add virtue Moral excellence. Add to your faith. Well, I'm saved. That's all there is. No, it ain't. There's steps you've got to take. Next, knowledge. Next, temperance. I read this recently, and I thought that's the best description of temperance I've ever heard in my life. Temperance is handling pleasures of life. Now you want to know what? Patience is handling the problems of life. I preached on patience Wednesday night. I told Teresa Lowe I was going to be preaching on that before I started. And she goes, you need to listen to your own sermon. (laughs) And then the next one to be able to put up with Teresa is godliness. And then brotherly kindness. And then love. A baby has the nature of his parents. According to the word of God, I have the nature of God living within me. Well, I don't feel like it, preacher. Some days I get up. I'm going to tell you how this thing works. It's like the Indian that said he had a big white dog and a big black dog that was fighting inside him all the time. And the pastor said, well, which one wins? And he thought for a second and he said, well, the dog that I feed the most. That's true. That's true. The nature 
Whatever nature you have within you will determine your appetite. A pig wants slop. A sheep wants that good green pasture. The very nature inside it determines what its appetite's going to be. You know about the prodigal son. But here's a part of the story you never heard about before. The prodigal pig. How have you never heard about the prodigal pig? You never have. You never heard about the prodigal pig. Prodigal pig, when he seen the prodigal son get up and say, I'm going back, the prodigal pig said, I'm going too. And he just takes off grunting and strutting across there and going heading back to where he'd never been before and going back to a place to where he thought it's going to be excitement, it's going to be fun. And he got there, and the first thing they did was they give him a bath. And they put new clothes. And they set him at a banqueting table. And he's thinking, where's the slop? And finally, he said, I will arise and go back to the big pig and go back to my slop and my mire. Nature determines appetite. We've seen that Secretariat movie. Man, that is an awesome show. Awesome. But I'm thinking you could take an old, an old nag and you, could, and you could give it a bath and you could put a blue ribbon on it and you could do everything and ain't no way it's going to win a Kentucky Derby. ain't going to do it. Nature determines what you're going to be within this life. Nature determines behavior. Eagles fly. Dolphins swim. Squirrels climb around. Nature determines behavior. Nature determines associations. Rhinos run in, anybody? Who said that? That is correct. Rhino runs in crashes is what they're called. Crashes. You didn't know that, did you? That's a good one. Vultures run in and fly in, anybody? Committees. Committees. Hell, there you go, there. Vultures. <laughs> Flying committees. <clears throat> Sheep. Yeah, me too. Sheep travel in flocks. Lions travel in prides. Fish travel in schools, right? And on and on and on we go. Your nature determines your association. And I say this to the young people, I say it to everybody. Beware who your associates are. If you make provisions for the flesh, you're going to be defeated. Because a sinful nature will lust after old sins. Now, Kay's backing me up on that. Give me an that's right, and I appreciate that. Let's just use Kay for an illustration here. <laughs> Let's say that the Holy Spirit convicted my wife of all the shoes that she owns. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, they need 100 shoe boxes here at the church. I'm thinking, that ain't no big deal. <laughs> if that would be the case, where would be the last place my wife would need to go? Shoe store. 
Beware of what kind of situations you put yourself in, dear. <laughs> Read this this week, so I loved it. Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. We are going to be his hands and feet on this earth. First Corinthians says, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. A guy told me one time, you look foolish up there. I said, it's exactly what the Bible said about me. What the Bible said. The foolishness of preaching. Kevin McLean over at the Centralia branch gave me a book this week or, or, or uh, two weeks ago, and I was reading that this past week, and in reading it, there was three phrases that he used, and I read them, and then I jumped back to it, and I read them again, and then the third time I read them, I put, work with me here, I put body motions with them. I did. I mean, that's just what was in my mind. And you're going to do this with me. You're going to help me out here. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. Have that cameraman pan back a little bit to where they can get this shot. Now, I'm going to ask you, don't hurt yourself. Okay? First, I'm going to read what I read, and then the thought that popped into my mind on what this meant to me. These were the three phrases. Greatly blessed. Highly favored deeply loved and then here was the the now again don't hurt anybody with this it, it was and i just i was sitting down when i did it but uh just uh, greatly blessed and then i did it like this highly favored and then i went deeply loved all right, let's do this again. Greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved. One more time, you're not going to forget it. <laughs> Greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved. You can sit down. The Bible says, what we've already read here, add to your faith. You don't have to turn here, but there's a scripture that I found uh, two weeks ago that I'd never seen before. David in 1 Chronicles is giving monies, goods, resources for Solomon's temple to be built. One more reason why David is such a great man. This thing is not going to be called David's temple. His name ain't going to be linked with it, and he knows that because God told him so. Well, if that's how it is, I'm taking all of my goodies and going home. David said, I got to help build this deal. I got to help build it. I got to help build it. Some will tell you in what you read that David gave five billion with a B, five billion dollars to help build Solomon's temple. Now here's what he says. And he goes into the detail on everything. And I can't, I ain't got time to read all this. But there was 100,000 talents of gold. 
a thousand thousand talents of silver, brass and iron without weight, timber and stone have I prepared. This is David saying this. Now watch how he says, and thou mayest add to it. He wasn't going to do it all. There's going to be a part that you as a believer must play within your Christian life. And if you think that God's going to do everything for you, you flat out wrong. Just as David told his son, I'm going to give you over and above anything anybody else on the planet can do. I'm giving it to you. But you've got to add to it. You've got to add to it. And I cannot stress that enough. As a believer and as someone that's going to grow in this, you must add to your faith. Just what the Bible tells us to do. You've got to add to it. We're building right now, and in time, time permitting, I am really believing this, that the next leaders of Orchardville Church are probably right now over in Kids Church. And one of these days, they won't have to be building a whole lot of buildings because those buildings will already be in place. But what we tell them is, add to what's already been done. Add to it. I don't want to be part of a status quo. Ronald Reagan, you had to love that guy. Ronald Reagan said, the status quo is Latin for the mess that we're in. I like that. I like that. And the path, listen, this goes to anybody, to a person, to a household, to a nation, to a church. The path of least resistance makes rivers and men crooked. That's why there's always going to be a little effort in this thing that we call the church and winning men and women to Jesus Christ. I think God sees to it. Path, I'm going to say it again. The path of least resistance makes men and rivers crooked. Give you an added thing on this. I read a book recently by Mark Stein, and that thing was just chock full of stuff. Listen to this. When life becomes an extended picnic with nothing of importance to do, Ideas of greatness becomes an irritant. It is. That, that is excellent. We like it just like it is. Don't rock the boat. Don't trouble the waters. This is where we're at. And in that kind of thinking, what it leads to is infighting and squabbling is what it leads to. Brenda Belangi, I'm going to say this anyway, even though she's here. And she told me if I hear that story one more, give her a puke bag. Because she told me, if I hear that story one more time, I'm going to puke. <laughs> Kay and myself years ago went on a fishing trip with some other couples. And we was inside this pop-up kind of deal that wasn't big enough for two people. And there was like three couples in there. And it was a big mess. And it rained all night long. And we couldn't go out and fish like we wanted to. And, and there was one couple in there that was just got mad at each other. And, and well, I'll get a divorce. Well, get a divorce. And just... And it's like, oh, I'm stuck here. It's raining. And at the end of when the woke up next morning, it's still raining. I told Kay, if you're leaving, I'm leaving. You better leave with me if you want to leave because I'm leaving right now as soon as I can get in my vehicle. <laughs> and on the way home, this was the thought that I had. Fishermen that don't fish, fight. 
So the most and the more that a church can do in winning somebody to Jesus, the more cohesive that unit and that church will become because of that common goal of winning somebody to Jesus. It's not all about my comfort and my ease. If that's your thinking, that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We want to, and this is just in our culture right now. We as a nation are $14 trillion in debt. Have you seen the new commercial that somebody's got out about the Chinese in a big room and the end of the commercial, they're all smiling and they're saying, yeah, because America now works for us. We've created a famine for the next generation. David didn't. David gave above and beyond anything that anybody would do, not for himself, for the next generation to be blessed. He became poor. The Bible says Jesus became poor so that we could be rich in him. While David was king, Israel was constantly at war. You know why? Because you can't build the temple when you're at war. There had to be peace. He was winning that peace right then and there so the next king could have that peace and build the temple. Jesus Christ did the same thing on the cross. He did war with the devil and won the victory. Why is that? So the Holy Spirit could indwell this temple and I could have peace. That's why. David found the building site called Mount Zion. Jesus Christ created the redemption site called Mount Calvary. David received the instructions from the Lord for the temple. Jesus knew from the foundations of the world what the instructions for winning mankind would be. 23 years ago, I received instructions from the Lord to go to Orchardville Church. Four years ago, I felt totally influenced by the Holy Spirit to go to Centralia Branch. Now, feel instructed to go to Fairfield and have a Fairfield Branch. And what I need is people of the same mindset of a King David that will say, I'm going to do my very best in seeing that accomplished. That's what I need. It is not, well, you know, I, I bet people laughed at David for doing what he did. I know people laughed at David. There were people sitting in the coffee shop saying, you hear what that crazy king done? He gave all of his fortune to build a temple. They ain't even there. You know the old saying, it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. Yeah, you're going to give money for something that ain't even there. I bet you the coffee shops were full of that. I bet you there were people that really wanted to give, but you know, I may not have enough for myself. Fooey on the hat. That is shameful to have that kind of attitude. I got mine. As long as I've got mine, shameful. Exceeding promises, great promises, precious promises. Jesus feeding the multitude. How many baskets full were left? Twelve baskets full. Twelve. How many disciples were there? Twelve. You know how I hear preachers preach this? Oh, yeah, had to be twelve because they had twelve disciples. You know, them disciples get hungry and bless God. They had to have something to eat. Hogwash. That ain't what happened. It wasn't their faith. It was a little boy's faith. 
Oh, yeah, they were 12 baskets full, and they were 12 disciples. And each one of them following little Zacharias as he's walking home, and each disciple following with a basket. And he gets home, and he opens the door, and here all these disciples come in walking in. And he's going, Mom, I know you've put me for lying before, but this really not a lie, what Jesus <laughs> done today. Exceeding. When God multiplied, there was more than enough. There used to be an oil commercial that talked about that it exceeded the need. That's what God can do. He can exceed whatever need it is. Great promises. Let me give you one. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That's a great promise. That we may obtain grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now let me give you a precious promise. A precious promise. Thessalonians. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we're talking precious here, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, precious, this is precious. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. I heard about an old preacher that preached one time and he had a guy with a trumpet that was in the, in the foyer. And when he said the trump of God, that guy was to open up the door and let out a trumpet blast. And when he did, about 55 people jumped up, just screaming their heads off, scared to death they'd been left behind. With the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and shall remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's precious. That's precious. Kay and I and myself, we see Candace about three times a year, and every time we see her, that's a precious time. Precious time. We see Josh once a year, other than when we see him on Skype. And his mom just talks his leg off. And <laughs> uh, that's a joke. All right, <clears throat> back on the track. <clears throat> we see him once a year, and that time, is precious. Amen. My wife's always talking about, oh, we, we see a small kid or something. Oh, when the kids were small. I used to never think that way, but anymore I do. I just don't let on. <laughs> I mean, Rachel and Curtis, just one couple here with, uh, got a bunch of couples with small kids. You know, time permitting, one of these days, they're going to be out of the house. And it'll be, it will be totally different. Don't have a plate-breaking ceremony. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. It's precious when we get to see them. Let me give you one more precious word in the Bible. I think it's Psalms 118. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. 
as hard as it was, and I'll mention three, as hard as it was to lose Greg Burgess, to lose Lonnie Lawler, and to lose Monty Dash, as hard as that was, God looked at it as precious. That's precious. They're getting to see me, getting to see what I've prepared for them. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If you don't have that kind of assurance in your life today, if you would pass away, death would come calling to you that you're not prepared, you can be today. Because a precious promise that we have is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a precious promise. You all please stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, I'm thankful for this service today. Lord, for the song service, it was kind of a... um, thought-provoking, subdued kind of service, and that's good. That's good from time to time. Lord, I'm praying that now we get into this part of the service, well, that it too would be thought-provoking to people, that perhaps they don't have the precious promise living within their heart, and they know for a fact that Jesus died for them and that their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Lord, I pray that you would knock on their heart and today would be their day. Today would be their day of knowing that Jesus is real to them. Today would be their day. Speak to people's heart, whether on this main floor, in the balcony, wherever that, in this building, speak to their heart. Lord, we continue to pray and believe for Fairfield. And we're believing, dear God, great things is going to happen. And Lord, I also believe with great adversity, with great struggle, there is great victory. And God, we're believing in great victory there. Lord, help that to be on the front burner of our thoughts this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Where would I be? You are.
our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.